I'm Brian Santo, EE Times Editor-in-Chief. You're listening to EE Times On Air. And this is your weekly briefing for the week ending April 23rd. We dedicated our podcast two weeks ago to Arm Holdings, which had just announced its first major new architectural advancement in a decade. That kind of focus is most certainly justifiable because Arm is dominant in multiple segments of the CPU market. Last week, NVIDIA held its GPU technology conference, during which it made a slew of announcements, and we wrote several in-depth stories about that for the website. The attention we gave NVIDIA is likewise merited because NVIDIA is as dominant in its area of expertise, GPUs, as ARM is in its area of expertise, processor core designs. And of course, NVIDIA is in the process of trying to buy ARM. Each already has an enormous amount of market power. Is letting them combine a good idea? Analyst Mike Fibus is the principal analyst of Fibus Tech, and he's written a new report that examines NVIDIA's proposed acquisition of ARM Holdings with that question in mind. This week, a critical look at the merger between NVIDIA and ARM. We'll get back to our conversation with Mike Fibus in a moment. First, here's a quick rundown of some of the top articles we have in EE Times this week. One of the most unique products in the electronics industry is the Wafer Scale Engine from Cerebrus. For more than half a century, we've been talking about chips the size of your thumbnail. This thing is about the same shape and a little bigger than your average kitchen pot holder. The numbers for this processing slab are just boggling. 850,000 processor cores, 2.6 billion transistors. It's designed for artificial intelligence workloads, and it's getting a lot of interest from the kinds of organizations that build supercomputers. We've got a story on advancements in atomic clocks, long the standard technology for calculating the passage of time. The latest generation of atomic clocks are even smaller and, hard to believe, even more precise. Also, stories on a unified simulation tool for complex systems on chips, the tools from Synopsys, an investigation into how the solar winds hacking disaster could have happened, and a story that takes an in-depth look at how Ford's new Blue Cruise self-driving technology fits in with driver monitoring technology. You can find these and other stories when you visit our website at eetimes.com. If you reached this episode through our podcast webpage, there are links to all of these stories right there on your left. NVIDIA has become one of the most important semiconductor companies in the world by excelling at designing graphics processing units, or GPUs. Arm Holdings designs processor cores that other companies use to build processors for smartphones, IoT devices, automotive electronics, and much more. Big companies always try to get bigger, not much news there. Government agencies around the world have to evaluate proposed acquisitions and decide whether or not to approve them. And here comes NVIDIA trying to buy ARM. On the surface, it looks like just another vertical acquisition, a familiar maneuver that might arouse some initial skepticism, but in recent history gets approved anyway. NVIDIA buying ARM 
may look like a classic vertical acquisition, but it is not. ARM sells enabling processor technology to just about everybody, and that includes a lot of NVIDIA's competitors. That's one of the major reasons that analyst Mike Fibus calls the proposed purchase of ARM by NVIDIA one of the most potentially anti-competitive acquisitions to come along in years. And because that might not be evident to regulators, Fibus has written a report in which he proposes a framework for understanding the ramifications of this particular deal from what he quipped is an East Coast point of view, the view from Washington, D.C. Here is Mike Fibus. We're joined by my colleague, global editor, Junko Yoshida. So in my report, I kind of break down what this what this acquisition really is sort of in in regulatory terms. It's not just a vertical acquisition of a company buying, uh, you know, one of its many vendors uh, just to assure supply of components and assure pricing. It's actually going one step below that. I mean, that would basically, you know, be akin to NVIDIA buying, you know, Qualcomm or MediaTek or or Marvell. But what they're doing is going one step below that and buying just a core ingredient that all of them, in fact, all the hundreds of ARM licensees need. Mm -hmm. And from that point of view, I mean, we've, we've... Heard some expectation that uh, that might be a difficult sell to regulators. Uh, we've heard so we were we said that we're making a distinction between the Washington D.C. view and the Silicon Valley view, but I've got to imagine that um, the folks in Silicon Valley, some of them might look upon this with trepidation, and the people they're going to go to are the people in Washington D.C. What have you been, uh, in, in, as you've been investigating this, um, have you gotten any sense that there's industry opposition to this going on? And do you have any sense of what the response is from from Washington? Yeah, so Washington, you know, has signaled that they're going to take a, a deeper look which is, you know, not usually good news when you're trying to, uh, you know, to close a deal. Uh, they've also kind of pushed back, the FTC has pushed back on um, another vertical, quote unquote, vertical acquisition, uh, Illumina, which is kind of a genomics company buying uh, Grail, which is a cancer screening company. And so they've already pushed back on that. It, it uh, Honestly, I, you know, if I were um, a betting man, if I were setting Vegas odds, I don't know that I would give the NVIDIA deal very high odds. It's, it's not great timing. I mean, when you look at uh, how other vertical applications, acquisitions are, are being treated by the FTC, number one, and all of the activity, I mean, Congress kind of in unison for very different reasons, depending on which side of the aisle you're sitting. But pretty much all of Congress wishes that they could find a way to undo some of the deals that uh, 
you know, that the FTC approved 10 and 12 years ago, like Facebook buying Instagram, for instance. So, you know, when you take those two things together, it's not a great climate. I mean, NVIDIA, in a sense, could not have picked a worse time to to be introducing this proposed deal. You think that there's actually differences in terms of the, because of the uh, administration, you know, the change hands, I mean, as is there impact or this this whole Washington DC taking a closer look that has been already going on under the uh, Trump administration? Yes, and and right, that's what I meant. From depending on you have different reasons depending on which side of the aisle you're on, but everybody is taking a close look at uh, tech's kind of overreaching power. I guess you could say. The skepticism from both sides of the aisles for for different reasons, perhaps, but but it's all skepticism. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's coming. I mean, a lot of those companies that that are that are, are meriting that skepticism are, are you know the so-called fangs, the Facebooks, the uh, uh, you know the the Amazons. Uh, the companies that own a newspaper or or run a social media network, um, Nvidia and ARM don't really fall into that category, but but they are huge tech companies. I mean, is it are, are they likely to just be you know, the just just is it just bad timing, or do you get a sense that uh, that that ARM and Nvidia in particular are are a tough sell? It's some of both. I mean, yeah. um, you know, again, back on uh, Illumina trying to buy Grail, the cancer screening company. I mean, that's that's tech with a lot of ramifications for the future of digital health. But uh, but, you know, that's nothing like Facebook buying Instagram <laughs> and it's much more of a vertical move. And so. NVIDIA trying to buy ARM is much more along those lines of vertical kind of acquisition. Um, I think Washington is much more sensitive to the concept of platform than it used to be. Mm -hmm. And I think under any definition, you know, ARM is a is a platform. It, um, you know, it lowers the barrier to entry for folks that want to make processors to do whatever it is they want to do and it brings with it a whole huge ecosystem of of developers so you know if you want to get something done there are just so many folks that you can bring in and and get it done so it's uh it's really uh you know a hotbed of innovation and uh you know allowing one of the competitors to buy that whole foundation that foundational platform is just um you know I, it's garnering a lot of opposition yeah, yeah often when um when regulators take a look um they they also have uh part of the standard is the potential for harm to the market um do they even need to look at it from that standpoint i mean we're, we're kind of talking a little bit about the the difficulties of of having uh you know nvidia take over uh you know a a 
a core platform or a company that 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 offers a set of core platforms um does harm come into it at all or is it just are, are we just looking at size and politics no i think i mean obviously the concept of harm is uh is integral to the whole antitrust process right mm. and um <clears throat> So the uh, in a sense, it's far easier to prove potential harm with uh, with Nvidia and ARM because ARM is already in essence, you know, a, a monopoly. It's a it's you know a unique animal, kind of a standard setting for profit company. Right. And uh, and if there were any companies. Uh, you know, in the ARM ecosystem that weren't already nervous about the deal. I think a lot of what came out at uh, at GTC last week, um, you know, would kind of set them on edge. I mean, they uh, the company that is hopes to buy ARM announced a general purpose ARM processor called Orin for the automotive market. So if you're Infineon, Renesis, ST Micro NXP, I mean that uh, that would that should make them pretty nervous if you've got a new competitor and by the way they're buying the inner workings of your product. Um, uh, you know, there. I mean, that's just one of a few examples at uh, at GTC. So in the past, you know, when we talked about the the potential combination, we kept we keep keep hounding on the issue. Is anybody stepping up? You know, are any of the competitors or or, or rivals, uh, are any of them stepping up with with formal um, formal objections? And it's sounding like they don't even really need to right now. Uh, I, I believe they are. You know, it, it, uh, it it's an odd dynamic too because. I mean, one thing you get a clear indication of from Washington is that uh, the big in big tech is something that they would like to um, kind of neutralize one way or another. So if you're um, Amazon Web Services, if you're Google, uh, if you're, I don't know, uh, Qualcomm, Intel, you're already, you know, just sort of on the edge of their, uh, you know, their crosshairs if you're not actually in it. And so, you know, you, you've got to tiptoe lightly and hope that um, more small companies come forward. And, you know, for a small company to do that, I mean, that's, there's high risk because if you come down against the, uh, against the proposed acquisition, and then it happens. I mean, what does that mean for your for your prospects? So uh, my understanding is that there are a lot, uh, you know, in various parts of the ecosystem and, you know, automakers, uh, for example, and the cloud, obviously, um, you know, there are a lot of folks that are knocking on the door and quietly uh, logging uh, objections. So maybe they don't need to and you know maybe it's risky but uh my understanding is they're doing it regardless oh uh, okay so so behind the scenes nobody needs to nobody needs to publicize it 
Nobody wants to. That's right. <laughs> uh, so uh, I know you've already kind of uh, given some odds, but uh, as a, if you were an odds maker here, uh, what, what's the uh, wh- how would you assess the prospects? Uh, I would I would put it uh, four to one against. Ooh, sort of like uh, uh, sort of like the Packers winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, right. Exactly. I don't, uh, you know, some folks uh, point to the fact that that NVIDIA still hasn't reached out to any other regulatory bodies, but the FTC with the proposal. Mm. Um, You know, there are typically four that matter unless what you're buying is a special circumstance. And that's the U.S., of course. Mm um e, the eu uk and and china and um folks were sort of watching at the 6 month mark um it, because usually if you usually you would have uh, applied across the pond by now and and now it's uh, over 7 months and nvidia still hasn't i don't know how to how to weigh that but some folks feel that that's uh, that may be prescient. No, that's true. But I think even bigger issue from where I sit is that uh, you know the chaos going on with um, China right now, right? Yes. And Bloomberg reported last week, and uh, that management changes uh, uh, has been very um, chaotic, and the change hasn't happened. Uh, SoftBank doesn't know how to untangle it. And if SoftBank can't get it done, doesn't it, it? It means Nvidia can't buy ARM, really. I mean, without um, the sorting out um, China situation, no. That may be in part why they're uh, just slowing the train down because China is typically, you know, the last the last obstacle on your way to an acquisition. Which gives them, I mean, they China likes it that way because they can dictate more terms because it's either they follow what you, what uh, you know, what they dictate, or you don't get to complete your acquisition. So, um, and this is just giving China that much more ammunition. So, yeah, the way things stand now, it's, I mean, it certainly would be difficult to. Uh, to to imagine that this could be consummated in less than a year, which was NVIDIA's original timetable. Through this whole thing, though, it seems like um, it it seems as if the two, from a technological standpoint, are proceeding as if this is almost a done deal. Um, uh, We're not the only ones who have noticed that um, sort of the if not the roadmaps, but at least the technological plans seem to be coming more into sync. Do you have any feeling about uh, 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 about the what the apparent synchronization of of the two companies, at least on the technological side? Yeah, so I think uh, you know Project Grace raised uh, a lot of eyebrows for for different reasons. The, and of course, Project Grace is the name for uh, you know Nvidia's foray into data center processors, ARM-based data center processors, and uh, that's a big deal for a few reasons. It's 
it's uh you know built on arms second generation neoverse architecture which was just announced uh september i believe and so i'm not aware of anyone else that has sort of hopped in yet that you know so some folks are speculating what that means if, if anything i you know is there a special relationship that enabled them to announce early or is it uh you know they're being the most aggressive i i don't know the answer to that but that is one issue that folks are are raising uh, to me the um you know when uh when jensen wong talks about his kind of triumvirate the three pillars you know the gpu the dpu that is you know what they got basically with melanox the mm -hmm. communications line and now the data center cpu um so and they're already looking at, at merging it so the, the thing that i find you know that raises my hackles a bit is that um what they're doing is connecting their GPU and and the ARM CPU, with, not with uh, PCI Express, mm -hmm. but with uh, NVLink, their proprietary data bus. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, with their GPU, it's kind of the dominant GPU in the data center and, you know, having to require NVLink, their proprietary bus um, attached to their ARM processor that's... Uh, it just seems to open uh, open the door and give people a glimpse to what what folks have been fearing all along that uh, that ARM will become increasingly proprietary at the hands of Nvidia to serve Nvidia's needs rather than rather than the whole lot of of licensees. The other thing too is if um, you know if they're able to kick this project off and design it without actually having bought arm why why exactly do they need arm <laughs> right yeah that was exactly my point they could have done and they, they they could certainly do it without actually buying arm right exactly and but so could anybody else which is yeah. uh yeah i mean i think nvidia you know over the years has taken a lesson uh, you know, from its experience with GPUs, if you think about it, I mean, in the early days, they were competing, you know, who could do the best under OpenGL and later Direct3D, both. And, uh, and you know, when we ended up with a primarily a two-horse race, uh, AMD and NVIDIA, it was whoever had the best product now you know, got all the sales and, you know, those two kind of their fortunes went up and down based on, on whatever was happening at the moment. And that's what Direct3D and OpenGL enabled. And with CUDA, as, uh, you know, they moved into higher performance computing, I mean, it's it's a hell of a platform and it makes it so much easier. It's easier. It's a higher level grab all the processor power you can out of their GPUs, but only their GPUs, right? And so that uh, eased the pressure on having to be the top performing GPU at any given moment, because folks can't just, they've got all these, uh, all these designs and designers that understand CUDA. And I mean, if you can't just jump to somebody else's uh, interface, 
if uh, if Nvidia hasn't uh, you know kept pace with its competitors. So uh, there were a lot of indications <laughs> that not just uh, you know not just Project Grace and NVLink that um, you know that that's what Nvidia would like to try and do. Anything out of your report, any observations from your report that we haven't asked about that uh, that uh, you feel that uh, you'd like to highlight or anything that came out of the GTC conference last week that you observed that you thought was notable? I guess the one thing I can think of is, uh, you know, more toward that um, that software play to kind of ease the uh, ease the demands on the hardware play. It was out in full force in, in many ways. I mean, uh, Jensen highlighted Omniverse, which is their kind of 3D collaboration platform. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, CUDA will, you know, you'll be able to program ARM as well as, uh, as, well as their GPUs. Uh, you know, they've got the conversational AI now available in, in Jarvis. And, you know, that was just a subset of uh, the slew of announcements that came out of uh, GTC last week. But, um, but you know, if you kind of take a step back and, and look at the trends, they're, they're building with uh, ARM, <clears throat> whether, they're, whether they've bought ARM or not. Uh, there's some potential moves to proprietize at least their ARM portfolio. And, uh, and you know, they're trying to lock folks in with a great, software experience so they're not quite as worried who's got the best hardware yeah interesting well we'll uh we'll keep our eyes out on this i'm sure you will we'd be pleased to have you back uh if this is consummated or if uh if you we find out that you are right with your four to one ads against (laughs) all right that sounds good you know where my money is (laughs) all right thank you mike all right thank you Bye-bye. That was Mike Fibus. His report is called NVIDIA and ARM, The Perils of Technology Platform Acquisitions. You can read the report on the Fibus Tech website. We've got a link to it on our podcast webpage. After we recorded that segment, the Wall Street Journal reported that the United Kingdom will evaluate the proposed merger from a national security standpoint. Now, this is on top of a separate examination from an antitrust standpoint. ARM, you'll recall, was founded in the UK. Upon reading that report, Fibus sent us an email that said, Maybe I was too conservative in my odds making. And that is a wrap for the weekly briefing for the week ending April 23rd. Thank you for listening. The Weekly Briefing is available on all the major podcast platforms, but if you get to us via our website at eetimes.com slash podcasts, you'll find a transcript along with links to the stories we mentioned. This podcast is produced by EE Times. It was engineered by Taylor Marvin and Craig McRae at Coop Studios. The segment producer was Katie Us. I'm Brian Santo. See you next week. It seems as if the two, from a technological standpoint, are proceeding as if this is almost a done deal. Um, uh, We're not the only ones who have noticed that um, sort of the, if not the roadmaps, but at least the technological plans seem to be coming more into sync 
Um, some people saw evidence in that, of that in this previous week's GTC conference. Um, Let me stop. Have, you. Yeah. Uh, it'll be last week's when we. Uh... Oh right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Timing. Thank you. Yep. Last week's GTC. I was going to ask you any any other observations from your report or anything that uh, that you saw at uh, the GTC conference two weeks ago. Um, that uh, that uh, no no uh, sorry, last to ask week. you about. It yeah. will be last week, next week. It, it was a couple of days ago. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> this is why I'll never be a good time traveler. So, yeah, right. 